What's happening? This is the Tap In Podcast. We are live inside the Tap In studio. Man, I got a special guest in the building from D-Town. One of the funniest in the business. Talk about it. Black Ron, what's happening, man? Tell them people, man. I thought you were talking about somebody else until you just <laughs> said my name right then. Because, you know, it's other people. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. They deserve their accolades, too. Yeah, they deserve them right now. Yeah, it's my yeah, flower Yeah, time. yeah. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. What's happening, man? What's so with it, man? Chilling, man. First of all, I got to get you. You need a, a hat sponsor. You need somebody that make, like, you need somebody to, to uh, I don't know who make hats. If you make fly-ass hats. Holla at my boy Black Ron, man. Talk to me. You know what I'm saying? Take all them sponsorships. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, I need one of them good white Western boot stores. Mm. See, you want to prove you ain't racist? Sponsor a black man. <laughs> Give me free <laughs> shit. That'll prove it. Yeah, yeah. The Malcolm X of comedy. Yeah, yeah. Where did that come from, man? Uh, It was a nickname that my man Celebrity gave me one day. Uh, We were doing a roast. And I got through performing, and uh, for some reason, instead of being funny that day, I, I wanted to be deep. So I did some deep-ass, dark-ass jokes, mm. but uh, it went over way better than I thought it would. Because I, I, every now and then, a comedian gets to a point where we don't feel like being funny. So I'm like, well, I just want to go up here and talk about some things that are really on my mind. And it just so happened that in being vulnerable like that, I was killing the crowd. But they were laughing, and, and, and everything I was saying was deep, and it was real. So then my man Celebrity gets on stage right behind me. He was like, yeah, make some noise for Black Runnercon. This boy up here, Farrakhan's oldest child. He, he the Malcolm X of comedy, ain't it? And yeah. the whole crowd fell out laughing. So for about a year, everybody on the Dallas scene called me the Malcolm X of comedy, like, as a jab. Mm. But then I started researching it on who Malcolm was. And it was uh, so many parallels between the way he lived, how he came to be Malcolm X, how he became to be Malik El Shabazz. So that whole journey mirrored mine. So I was like, well, damn, I guess I am the Malcolm X of comedy. So then I started like tagging myself the Malcolm X of comedy. And then a year later, I get to open for Dick Gregory, mm. who was close personal friends with Malcolm. And he says, I heard they call you the Malcolm X of comedy. It's kind of like if you meet an OG from a street organization and he say, I heard they call you the Tukey Williams of podcast. I heard they call you the Big Raymond Washington of podcast. At, at, at first you feel like they pressing you. Like, I mean, yeah, they do. He was like, hey, well, you know, I knew the man. Like, yes, sir. He was like. Don't do his name no disservice. Mm. If you're going to wear his name, wear it proudly, wear it as a mantle, and wear it as a calling. Don't put no dirt on that man's name. Mm. So after that, I had to, I just thought I had to take myself more seriously. So that stopped a lot of the silly shit I would do on stage. Like, I do musical parodies. I do a whole lot of low-hanging fruit jokes. Mm-hmm. But from that point on, I had to be more like, okay, well, let me be a voice to get the people out the darkness. Because Malcolm was a street cat. Right. Who came into his awakening, and once he got woke, he was like, I got to wake up everybody. I can't take this with myself. I can't walk around with all this knowledge and with all of this new realizations 
and not hip nobody else to it. So that's how I became the Malcolm X comedy. Now that's why all of my jokes have some underlying level of consciousness, of social awareness, socio-political commentary, or I'm talking about being an adult in an age where everything that we grew up with is now obsolete. Mm-hmm. So no matter what race you are, you can feel me on that. Yeah. And what people don't know about Malcolm is a lot of other spiritual leaders practice exclusivity. Mm. Meaning, you got a person from this organization that represents this group of people that all worship this one way. And he is the voice for those people. And rather than try to reach across the table, they close their doors. If you don't practice this, we ain't with you. With you. Mm-hmm. And that be that Scientology, Judaism, Islam, Christianity. Church folks are some of the most exclusive, and you're going to go to hell. If you don't, matter of fact, if you don't take offering the way we take offering, if y'all don't baptize the way we baptize, if your pastor don't wear the same colors my pastor wear, if y'all don't do all this pageantry and a whole lot of things that have nothing to do with your spiritual code whatsoever, you got you a scholarship to hell, first class, all expenses paid for. No, man. God yeah. is God can't be compartmentalized into a little bitty box. How can we say God is greater than the highest thought a human can think? Mm. And that's in your Bible. Mm-hmm. It says as high as you can think, God is that much more higher than you. Which means as much as you can elevate your consciousness, you've only gotten halfway there. Well, then how can you put God in a box, bro? Right. Yeah, straight up. And then if God made me, like Eddie Griffin say, he put these jokes in my head. God got a sense of humor. When he made me, he was like, and I'm going to make this motherfucker here cold, boy. He's going to be funny. He's going to be medium ugly, but he's going to pull <laughs> He's going to know how to fight and cook and be a good daddy. Like, I'm, boy, hold on. Let me break, let me crack my knuckles real quick. I'm finna do the fool on this, boy. I'm finna make right here. So, yeah. I just, now I'm, I'm out here just showing people what he made. That's what's up, man. How did you even um, get started into comedy? Like, what even made you even want to pursue that versus, like, activism or something? On a dare. A dare? Really? Who dared you? Uh, my man John Johnson, who mm. was the owner of Barbershop at the time in Oak Cliff. And, you know, Barbershop, that's our forum. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's where that's where a black man can be heard. I'm just in the Barbershop just bullshitting like I know him to do. Like, you know how they say, you kick around the Barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut? Yeah. Most of the people at the Barbershop ain't getting their haircut that day. They just know that that's where we can go, chill, have a drink, have a smoke, have some conversation with some other like-minded or similar-aged Men in our same demographic. I'm at the barbershop. I didn't feel like being at the house that day. I'm at the barbershop like four hours. Oh, God damn. I'm talking about you didn't watch the customer turnover (laughs) happen 12 times. Everybody that had new people in their chair, and I'm still sitting here in the corner. (laughs) Cracking jokes. You know, ladies come in, kids come in. I changed my, my, my language. You know, I, I changed my subject matter. I ain't in there talking grown man, talking in front of women and children. Mm-hmm. But then when the elders is in there, I'm talking about this. When the youth is in there, I'm talking about this. And when the women and children are in there, I'm talking about this. But I got the whole shop rolling the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I know when I can cuss, when I can't cuss, what I should be talking about in front of sensitive ears and what I shouldn't be talking about, the man-only conversations, the grown man-only conversations. And at the time, I'm... 
two months shy of 25. Mm. So I really don't have my my world figured out. I ain't got no handle on things, but I'm grown enough to be able to speak on it. Mm-hmm. And I got the shop rolling. And then the owner was like, man, you been in here like four or five hours. I thought you were getting ready to put me out. He's like, yeah, you just been in here bullshit four or five hours, boy, but you been having us rolling though, man. You do comedy? Nah. Man, you should have been a comedian. Yeah, I heard that a lot. Well, you ain't never thought about doing it? I mean, I thought about it, but you know, ain't nowhere to do comedy, bro. You know what I'm saying? Well, what if somebody gave you the opportunity? Would you be scared? Scared of what? Scared to do your thing? Hell no. I bet. Look, I'm putting on this show and Shucky Ducky is the headliner. You know who Shucky Ducky is? Y'all know who Shucky Ducky is. All right, well, I'm going to have you open for Shuck. So my first time ever on stage was at a real show. Mm. My first time ever on stage, I featured for Shucky Ducky. And wow. then Shuck put me under his wing and took me around and showed me the comedy scene. I thought you got paid to do comedy from the beginning. Because my first time on stage, I got $20 in free drinks. Damn. So I'm thinking the least that you get paid to do comedy is $20 and you get to drink for free. I didn't get paid for another two years after that. Because then I had to go through the open mic circuit. I had to work my way into earning a paycheck. By the time I got paid again, it was $25 in free drinks. And I milked that shit for all it was worth. And I took that $25 and turned it into 50 and then into 100 and then into 250 And now... You got to you got to call somebody. You want me on your show? Yeah. You got to talk to my team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's dope, man. And so, how long ago was that? How long you been at it now? Twelve years. My and daughter and my comedy career are the same age. Wow. Yeah. See, that's what I want most people to to understand, because people right now will see you online and be like, "Oh, he just started doing comedy. Oh, yeah, he just he just started he just started hitting the scene." And people don't know, don't understand. Like it takes, it takes. From what I heard, it takes ten years. Take ten years to be an overnight success. Yeah, it takes six years to get your first shot um, on TV. Mm. It takes you six years to get your first paid, publicized gig. Now, social media has shrunk that down greatly, but when it comes to the shit that people validate you for, it still takes that same amount of time. And then what's crazy is people think you just came out when they heard of you. So if you haven't taken off, if you haven't became viral, if you're not synonymous with everybody's frame of reference, then you don't exist because mm-hmm. they don't know you. So like, prime example, I've been doing this 12 years. There are still people that come up to me at the end of a show. And I just did an arena tour, my second arena tour. Everybody on the, on the bill is a major name, except me. So I always say I play the who position. And coming up, make some noise for Black Run. Be clapping, be like who? <laughs> they give me the Randy Watson claps, yeah, yeah. little smitter smatter, pitter patter. Who? Who they say? Black, black who? Yeah. <laughs> Get off stage, standing ovation. Mm. Because it's not on people to know me It's on me to prove myself So then they come up to me I, Then they, they get mad at me How come I ain't never heard of you before Like like I've been out here bull- this whole time <laughs> You've been hiding or something yeah, like, like, like I said make sure everybody but Cheryl from Cincinnati Find out about me 
No, Cheryl, you you was just under a rock. Yeah. I had to come to this show with some people you already were familiar with and pull the rock over your head and say, surprise, there's somebody out here that you don't know that's a dog. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. That's dope, man. I love, I love that. That's dope. Man, what is it like to um to transition from going like to comedy clubs to like arenas? Because I, I know it's it's a it's a whole different like um timing for mm-hmm. performing from comedy clubs. What was that transition like from you going to, to the clubs to the arenas? Uh I was scared at first. Really? Because I can't see nobody. Mm. And that's one of the ways that you know whether or not you're doing something well. Like when you first start out, silence make you nervous. Until you learn that silence is not always a bad thing. Sometimes they silent because they're listening. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they hanging on to your every word. So when the laugh hit, you got to make sure that the silence was worth it. Like back in the day, comedians used to judge their success off of their laugh per minute rate. So how many times can I make the whole house laugh in 60 seconds? So if this dude got a, a, a LPM of 30, that means like every two seconds, he make the whole house laugh. That's like running 100 miles an hour mm-hmm. in the Olympics. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nobody would be able to maintain that rate for 60 minutes. Now, you might go up there and do a three-minute set where you got them laughing every, every four or five seconds. You might do a five-minute set, but when you got 15, 20, 30, 60 minutes to build with the people, then you want to be able to build. Well, in the comedy club, I can see that you're still engaged because I can see your face. At least the first 100 people, I can see your face. In that arena, lights down, you 15 feet above everybody's head, it's 10,000 people in the room, you can't see nobody's face. If you try to see somebody's face, I mean, you got to step past your mark on stage, get past the lights so that you can see faces. But guess what? That's just the first 30 people across the front row Mm -hmm. that you can engage with. It's still 9,970 other people (laughs) off in here that you cannot see, but you can feel. Mm -hmm. Now... In a comedy club, that laugh hits you all at once because you can see the back of the room. So the sound don't get to sweep around you. It just hits you like laugh. Ah! In an arena, that hit you in waves. You can literally feel the laughs because, you know, sound travel way slower than light, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to be scientific and nerdy for a little while. Sound travels way slower than light. If you don't believe me, go stand across the football field. You can watch somebody clap their hands. It'll be a couple seconds before the claps get to your ears. So when you're in that arena, you tell a punchline. Everybody starts laughing at the same time. But the back of the house, they laughs get there after the front of the house. So it hits you in waves. You can literally feel the sound waves. So the first time I get on stage, I'm nervous. I'm so nervous, I'm visibly trembling. Mm. Like I'm cold mm. because I don't want to up because these are two. This is too many people in one room that can make a decision on the validity of my comedy career. You know, black folks, we decide. I don't care how long you've been doing this. If you wasn't good tonight, you, you ain't even what, what the hell you say you is. Yeah. I don't care what you say you do. Let you suck at it tonight. I thought you said you was a. Yeah. I thought he said he was a real comedian. This up him. That's why we ain't never heard of him, because he suck. So I'm on, I'm the unknown dude on the tour. 
Who's if, on the lineup before you go? Who's on the okay, lineup? Okay, so the last tour I was on, the Real Talk tour. Okay. Hosted by D-Ray Davis. No, I'm sorry. Hosted by Ricky Smiley. Mm. Starring D-Ray Davis. Mm. Featuring Darren Big Baby Brand, Mojo Brooks, Jess Hilarious, B. Simone, Moneybag Mafia, and then me. Mm. The tour before that, the one that I, I really had to make my bones on, the No Cap Tour. Hosted by D-Ray Davis. Starring DC Young Fly. Featuring Lil Duval, Carlos Miller, Michael Blackson, Chico Bean, and me. Yeah. Yeah. So when you see the lineup, it's like, who is this dude that I don't readily identify with? Who is this fuck I can't recognize? Who is he? Now, I got to go up there and prove to you why I belong on the bill in the first place. And then I got to prove to you that I'm one of the best ones in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And on the first tour, I was the first one out. So I'm in the nacho and beer set, uh, spot of the show. People ain't even really got to their seats all the way and shit. Most of the time, people didn't even get to see my performance. Because you showed up fashionably late. Even though the tickets say 8, you didn't get into the building until 8.15. <laughs> you missed me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 8.15, I'm off stage. Yeah. Godly, man. But then you got that tour. Then you get off of that tour. Worldwide accommodations and everything. Treated like a star. You still got to make rent. You still got to pay child support. You still got to pay your bills. You still have to create a career that can stand on its own where you don't have to do packages like that to get to them level of checks. Now you got to come back to these clubs. Okay, only difference is now when I come back to the club, yesterday's price ain't today's price. Clubs say, well, we don't care what you did because this is a restaurant at the end of the day. And we got to sell two item minimums. Mm -hmm. So if you can't put asses in the seats, we don't give a damn how good you are at your job. So comedy has stopped being a craftsman place and become a salesman's place. It's all about marketability. It ain't about how well you do this. It used to be if you were funny, we'll make you a star. Mm. Now it's if you're a star, we'll make you funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's ass backwards though. Yeah, well it's they hire they hire people like me that have never heard of, that got all the talent and no draw, to be their writers, to be their punch up guys, to be their uh, production assistants. Mm. Now the, the the buying public don't know. Buying public don't care. Mm -hmm. I, I asked my nephews a couple years ago. I say, hey man. Um, what y'all think about um, it coming out that Drake don't write his lyrics? And they was like, so? Still jam. Mm. People don't care these days, bro. Yeah. The craftsmanship, like, <clears throat> nobody cares that somebody made something with their hands. If I can get a machine that could turn out a hundred of them in an hour and it took you two weeks to make one of them, nobody cares. Especially they come out looking the same or, you know what I mean? Or having, you know, similar functionality. Right, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now, a true, a true, like say we talking about swords. Mm-hmm. You got your sword off an assembly line. 
80-year-old Chinese man made mine. Took him two and a half months to make my sword. Your Amazon Prime, it was at your house in three days. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to see the difference until we go to war. Mm. As long as all we doing is showing the swords off, yours going to be shiny, sharp, it's going to look nice and everything. Because it was made to look good. Mine was made to last forever, though. Yeah. So it's not until those swords hit each other and yours break in half. Yeah. Handle hanging off and shit. Yeah. You, you <laughs> yeah. chop one somebody, now your whole dull blade, or it's the, it's the, you can dull the whole edge, or you done bent the blade. or Yeah. <laughs> you got that air. It's, we live in an air fryer society now where a crock pot has become obsolete. Mm. Even the people that cook. It used to be, remember, like, man, I just want a woman that'll cook. Even if your woman cook, she ain't going to cook, cook. She ain't finna be in that, in that hot kitchen slaving over no hot stove. She's going to throw some frozen salmon in that mother 15 minutes, slide it out. It's ready. Grab a bag of vegetables out the freezer, throw them in the microwave. Five minutes, they ready. Yeah. Got you some goddamn sweet Hawaiian rolls already made. They just heat and eat. Throw them in the oven for three minutes. They ready. Yeah. <laughs> now you got a meal. Yeah. That normally would have taken an hour to prepare. She got that whole down in front of you in front of seventeen minutes. Is you gonna eat or not? Yeah, I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna. I'm gonna eat. Yeah, you gonna eat, <laughs> but are you gonna enjoy that meal for real? No. You ain't gonna get no itis afterwards. You ain't gonna be like, man, I can go for another plate of that. Y'all got some seconds? Yeah. Let me fix me a little to go plate. No. Nah. Yeah. But then go over your auntie house on Thanksgiving. Well, she been cooking since Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Letting that meat marinate. Uh, food ain't ready till 6 o'clock Thursday evening. <laughs> One bite. Got your head ready to go to sleep. That's my comedy. You might not know me. You might not be familiar with me. One bite. You're going to see the difference between me and these other microwave. Yeah. Speaking of, man. You, one of your one of your bits went viral. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that went viral, man. Um, your Michael Jackson bit, man. Mm -hmm. Um you got niggas looking at Michael Jackson different, man. <laughs> they should. They should, bro. When when did it come out here that Mike was somehow weak or lame or, or for being a singer? Like in the black community, R and B singers have never been seen as tough guys. True. True, but I know some. I know some. I know some R&B singers that'll beat the brakes off of you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know some R&B singers that are tougher than most gangster rappers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Shout out to Trey Songs. Trey <laughs> Songs a gangster. What? He from Virginia. And that nigga, that nigga ain't where you from, man. Okay, okay, you right. Yeah. Yeah, and let's talk about that for because okay. you're from Cali. So you yeah. know, like I know, yeah. a lot of dudes go other places and get to shouting out their zip code or their neighborhood like that validates you. It's some real ones and some hoes from everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, true that. From everywhere, bro. I know I know a dude that'll, that'll bust your eyebrows off your head and he out of Champion Creek, Tennessee. You know, like, where the hell is that at? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Then true. I know a dude that, that grew up right next door to the biggest gangster you ever want to see in your life. They is from the same street, same block, same hood, and this dude wouldn't bust a bubble in a dishwashing contest. So, <laughs> hollering out where you from don't mean 
Yeah. But it's just it, it's crazy to know that Trey Songs. I guess that's why he called himself Trigger. I, I I I can't speak on that, but I know that is a real one. I was surprised when I found out Chris Brown was a real one. See, I don't know. I I think Chris Brown is Chris Brown remind me like just an emotional angry. You know what I'm saying? He ain't like no like like no gangster or no real. He just an emotional angry dude. Right. You well, know I didn't what I'm say saying? gangster. I said a real one. It's just he'll haul off on you. Cause a lot of people, a lot of people like to assume that because a dude will put hands on a woman, he ain't gonna fight no. Nah, so, nah, nah, I ain't talking about that. I know he'll, I know he'll, he'll fight. He'll fight. He'll fight. But I think, I think most of that is just because he's angry and scared, not because that's just I'm, I'm just, I'm just. This is who I am. I'm, well, I'm most of your killers you. are scared. That's why they kill you first. I don't know. See, I, I feel like my daddy told me as a child. The one person you don't want to have a gun is the scary. He yeah. gonna kill somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about say, I feel like it's a it's a difference between somebody who is a really about that life and somebody that's scared. Like it's a, it's a it's a thin line because the scary dude probably gonna shoot you first. You know what I mean? Because or haul off and punch you first. Yes, and that's why that's why I feel like Chris Brown is versus what Trey is. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. That's why I feel like Trey is really like he been in the streets. He been, you know, running like that. I don't think Chris Brown was ever like that. Now, you know why I brought Chris up to to, to refute your Trey? Because they both from Virginia. You see how you just proved my point? That it don't matter where the hell you from. Yeah. Yeah. They both out of Virginia. So being from <laughs> yeah. Virginia don't mean that, that you, or, or not being from Virginia, it don't matter where you grew up at, bro. The, the type of man you are is on the inside. It ain't got nothing to do with your address. Yeah. True that. True I know that. niggas that came up in the same household. One of them is a pacifist, and one of them will take off on you. <laughs> okay. True that. Your point proven. But back to your, your Michael Jackson, man. What made you have this perspective of Michael, man? Well. How did that joke even come about? Let me ask you that. So the joke came about because during the quarantine, a lot of new buzzwords got popular. One of them was toxic masculinity. So all of a sudden, everybody started talking about the tenets of what makes a man a man. Mm-hmm. From the time I've grown up, all of my fathers were a certain way, all of they, all of his partners were a certain way. There was a way that a man was, and if he was not that way, then he was not no man. Period. He's just a grown ass boy out here. Mm-hmm. Cut two. By the time 2020 rolled around, all of those tenets are now known as toxic masculinity. So I was just throwing it back in the faces of everybody that feels that way. Like, well, if manhood and masculinity is so toxic, when did it become as such? Because the definition of the word toxic means poisonous. Absolutely poisonous, corrosive, detrimental and damaging to anything that it comes into contact with. Since when did being a man be that? Mm. And if that's the case, when did toxicity become unpopular? Because all of the men around my age grew up modeling the men of my father's generation or our older brothers and cousins Mm -hmm. and all of them was toxic it was evidenced in the music from jodeci toxic to the point where you name any r&b singer i'm a i'm a single song of theirs that if you listen to them lyrics he toxic as hell but you love that toxic Toxicity is cool as long as it gets your coochie wet. 
Mm. It's only until you can't manipulate that man and now all of a sudden that toxicity don't work for you. You don't, you don't mind that, that your man will fight anybody long as he balling up his fists on your behalf. But then when he get to fighting in places where you don't want him to fight, now all of a sudden his violence and aggression is toxic. Not it was cute when y'all first started dating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't like the fact that when you can't control him, that's the thing. So these days, men get treated like King Kong on a leash. As long as you killing big lizards and dinosaurs and humongous spiders and shit, and you saving me, it's fine. When I bring you out in public, you need to be a good boy. Don't go climbing no buildings in front of everybody or I'll shoot you down in front of everybody my damn self. Mm. So, I started going through every generation. Let's just take it back to the 60s and move mm -hmm. forward 10 years. I'm just going to pick one key figure out of there. Somebody that your mom and your daddy used to listen to all the time. Somebody that you grew up jamming. And I'm going to tell you how that was also toxic. And then I ended it with, and the biggest toxic dude of them all was Michael Jackson. Why? Because Michael, when you think about him, he's soft-spoken. He was never really publicly in a lot of relationships. And he was never the dude that was saw as overtly masculine mm. or toxic by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. But when you break his lyrics down, he's just as toxic, just as masculine as any other dude that you find fault with out here. So if Michael toxic, we all toxic. And if we all toxic, what the problem is? <laughs> yeah. I like, see, that's, that's, the, that's the beauty of a joke. That's the beauty of crafting a good joke where you can turn somebody like who is typically not masculine or not seen as masculine and turn that on his head and make you see like, oh, yeah, Mike was one of the yeah. biggest gangsters around. Yeah. Mike had all them red flags. Mike had all of that boy energy. Any word you want to use to describe a dude these days, Mike Jackson was on all that. Yeah. <laughs> Big yeah. energy, Mike had that. <laughs> F your feelings, Mike had that. Side, Mike had that. <laughs> so if Mike had it, they mean your granddaddy had it. They mean your pastor had it. They mean your father. They mean your brother. They mean your son. They mean every other man in your life is also doomed to this existence as a man. So if you don't don't pick and choose, don't single out, don't trail mix life, and you want to pick out the parts of a dude that you like, you got to take the bad alongside the good. Just like if you're taking a new pill, you got to take the side effects that come along with the cure. Mm. And if it was good for Mike. Huh. It's good for me. <laughs> yeah. So why, why should I stop being this man my father raised me to be? Mm. Because he, he I've been, I'm 37 years old. Mm -hmm. I've been unpopular for two years. Mm. I'm going to stop being the man I was raised to be to conform to society's new definitions. And society is also changing the definition of everything. Let me let me let me play devil's advocate, right? Yeah. Some of the things that um, you know, pops taught us was probably toxic. You know what I'm saying? It was toxic, like such as 
like um, beating on a woman, beating on a woman. My daddy never taught me that. Okay. Um, I wish my daddy would have put my hand, put his hands on my mom. I would have witnessed a heavyweight <laughs> boxing match. Okay. Because so, my mama was never a second class citizen in my household. Okay. So, oh, let me think. Of, um, let me think of some other. And while you're thinking, let me just say, if you have to put your hands on a woman, that means that she's lost all respect for you from the muscle. Because women know that they aren't physically matched to be in that type of situation with a dude. And if she don't have no problem being in a situation like that with a dude, that's a red flag off the muscle. Like women that say, I fight too. Yeah, that's a problem, bro. Get away from that because... She's never going to respect the fact that you're a man in this situation. So she's going to talk to you like you a man that she can beat up or a woman. Which means now you got to prove to her that you ought not be talked to that way. And there's only two ways to prove that to a woman. Distancing yourself from them forever or slapping her across her lips. Mm. Now, is it bad to slap her across her lips? Yes. Is it equally bad to talk to your man like he a woman? Yes, especially and he the one that said he'll protect you and provide for you and profess his love to you. That protection thing is the main thing. That's the reason why there's a double standard. It's the protection. The fact that I'm willing, ready, and able to lay my life, my livelihood, my freedom down for you is the reason why we should never have an argument. Is the reason why you should never get out your body with me. Is the reason why when I put my foot down, that's the end of that. Because ain't but one of us willing to die about it. Mm. But if you ain't that man, then you can't make them type of demands. Mm. You ain't living on her couch, <laughs> leasing her name. You ain't standing on you ain't you ain't standing on no business or no principle. And you talking about you ain't gonna talk to me no any kind of way in your house. I mean, how does that even sound, bro? Yeah. That ain't even your house to lay down no law in. Get your own spot, take care of your own self as a man, and then you can tell a woman about how she gonna talk to you. Okay. So I got an example. Okay. A man a man obligation is to provide and protect. I I For do, his woman. I not think, for a woman, not for a woman he's seeing. There's a difference between a provider and a trick. Okay. But I think it's, it's I think there's more to man than just that. There you go. You know what I'm saying? I think it's more, because at some point, the love part got to come in. Showing emotions. That ain't got nothing to do showing, with you being a man and everything to do I think with that's you part being of a, it. Nope. Nope. Here's why I say that. Because showing love is a responsibility that the man and the woman have. So that's a human obligation that has nothing to do with you being a man the things the tenets of manhood are the things that separate you from your woman beyond the human experience y'all both got feelings y'all both got love languages y'all both have trauma y'all both have triggers that's being human however as a man you're not allowed to wallow in your feelings why though because you a goddamn man. I know, but why though? Just just because I'm a man, that's just my gender. I didn't say you don't have to acknowledge your feelings. Okay. I said you're not allowed to wallow in them. Wallow. Okay. In other words, have your you ever watched Six Hundred Pound Life? Yeah. What is the main reason that most of the women on the show cite for being 
the way they are? Uh, I think is, I want to say majority of what I see is they um, broke up with somebody. Or had a death in the family. Yeah. Heartbreak. Mm. So she's been allowed to wallow in that emotion so much so, and she's deteriorated from 200, 300, 400, 500, now 600 pounds. And her excuse for why she's living her life that way is something happened to me and it hurt me. Mm. And it affected my ability to move forward. As a man, society don't give you that same level of grace. As a man, we can only sit there and lick our wounds for so long before you got to get back out there and do something. As a man, not only are our feelings rarely acknowledged, you can't dwell in them. Women always say they want a man that's in tune with his sensitivity and his feelings until that man is your man. Then it's like, I don't want to listen to them crying all the goddamn time. Goddamn. Every time it's, you know, because ever since my mama died and then my daddy left us and, and then my brother here got locked up and all that well and good, bro, but rent due. What <laughs> you going to do about it? You the man. You done lost a fight before, right, Dante? Yeah. Does that stop you from having to from protecting your woman? Hell no. Nah. Nah, hell no. So guess what? Your trauma don't even matter in society. Because dude could have beat the brakes off you. Got you scared to ball your fist up from that point on. But when your woman or your child becomes threatened, you got to put your personal trauma and tragedy and triggers to the side. And now you got to be a man. What you going through? As a man, if your rent ain't due, that ain't nobody fault but yours. What you gonna do about it? You gonna cry? So as a man, we're not allowed to dwell in our feelings. So that's what separates us. The tenets of manhood, one of the main tenets of manhood is you have to have a solution. Mm. This is why women get upset when they come vent to their man and he keep on offering solutions. And she, I don't want no solution. I just want you to hear me talk about my problem. He like, I'm not coded that way. As a man, when a problem gets presented to me, I have to think on ways to solve it. As a woman, you get to just announce the problem. And now it's my job as a man to fix it. Why though? Why is that your job? Same reason why it's her job to look after the children. You got kids? Yeah. yeah. I'm, pre I'm pretty sure you're capable of feeding, bathing, looking after your kids, keeping them safe and everything. But are you their mama? No. Are you even half as good as they mama? <laughs> no. No, heck so no. Capabilities and responsibilities are two different things. You have a responsibility to make sure that your children are fed, bathed, safe. But your capabilities are nowhere near that of the mama. It's ingrained in her. Somewhere along them nine months of carrying that baby, she get downloaded all the tools that she need to take care of this child for the rest of its existence. You got to learn that day by day. But once you learn it, it's coded in from that point on. Which is why you can leave any situation and go be a daddy. You ain't got to have kids to be a daddy. Because once you learn how to be a daddy, you a daddy from that point on. This is why most women don't want to go into a relationship where a man got kids.
This one, John. You ever notice? Anytime a woman get with a man to have kids, there's usually a power struggle. If she don't have kids. If she don't have kids and he got kids, there's a power struggle because she have to learn how to be a mama. She been selfish this whole time. Taking care of herself, thinking only about herself. And if you notice, as soon as she learned how to be a mama to them kids, she started pushing that man about having a baby of her own by him. When we gonna have a baby? Mm-hmm. We back on. He like, but baby, you do a good job, these babies. I know. But why did I download all this information if I'm not gonna be able to use it for a child that I push out my own womb? Now, if I'm unable to have kids, now I gotta reconcile that by being a great mother to kids that I didn't make. But if there's nothing wrong with my womb. And I came into this relationship, and you already had a child, already had children, and I, I had somebody had to upload that information into me because it didn't come naturally. Mm-hmm. But now that I have those tools, I need to put them to use with my own child. You've never heard a dude be like, I've been a stepdaddy for so long, now it's time, for, now that I learned how to be a stepdaddy in my next relationship, I can't wait to have kids. No, normally it's the adverse. Mm. He was a stepdaddy for so long, and when that relationship ended, he like, I don't even want kids. <laughs> yeah. I don't even want kids. I ain't got no kids. The last relationship I was in, she had kids. And then also, as a man, you have to accept that you come last in life. That's another tenet of manhood. Mm. You can't have no ego in your family. Because the minute kids are in that situation, they are more important than you. So if you come into a relationship and that woman got kids and you ain't got no kids, well, realize that those little is always going to be more important than you in your own relationship. So most dudes is like, well, I ain't signing up for that. I mean, we can, but they supposed to come to me when they need something. You supposed to come to me when you need something. I got to be here for y'all. Well, where they dad at? <laughs> See, men, men want to vet after we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, what, well, why, why do you have three kids by three different? What, what's wrong with you to where you just either picking wrong or you that horrible a person and don't nigga want to stay around? Like, what the situation is? Well, it's too late. Yeah, <laughs> it's too late. You finna be baby daddy number four, my boy. It, it's, it's too late at that point. Try to vet after you didn't already bought it. Right. <laughs> Cause we don't we don't think straight before we before we get it. Well, we do. It's just that we don't value those things. Mm. Because attraction is more important. Because if I'm not attracted to you, there will be no long haul. Women are already in it for the long haul. Mm. Most women, when they meet a dude, they're not trying to be a plaything. They want to be his. They want to be somebody's. Right. Yeah. Whereas men have an innate need to want somebody. We ain't got to be nobodies as long as we got somebodies. Yeah. God dang. Now what f***ed it up is instead of women being honest with themselves, they want to start coming out here playing the game by a man's rules. All these Christians out here didn't read their Bible where it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you acting like a lady and thinking like a man, eventually you're going to start acting like a man. Mm. 
And now you hear all these women saying, I'm operating in my masculinity. Why? Because I can't meet no man. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't met a man strong enough to lead me yet. So I'm out here doing masculine things. I, I can't be feminine. How much sense do that even make? That's like me saying, because I can't find no good woman. I'm going to start being feminine. <laughs> and cooking and, and washing clothes and making sure my house clean does not make me feminine. Right. Paying your bills and taking care of your responsibilities does not make you masculine. That makes you an adult, ma'am. Yeah. But society had it originally set up that a woman will always be absolved of her responsibility the minute she gets with a man. That's the reason why still to this day, no matter what they say about equality, when you get married, you incur your wife's debt. Her student loans become your student loans. Her credit card bills become your credit card bills. Her credit score gets added to yours and then divided by two. So why should any man even want to get married? This is why, I, that's the question I'm asking out here these days. Why would anybody if we so horrible, if we so toxic, if we ain't shit, if your daddy wasn't shit and your granddaddy wasn't shit, well then what the <laughs> are you pressing me so hard to get married for? I thought I wasn't shit. So I would say, I will say on the, on the adverse of that, right? The... Women do bring stuff to the marriage, right? Yes. They do bring the nurturing. They do bring um, stability, well, stability, wisdom. Yeah, yeah. They do bring comfort. That. So, so that's the benefit of being married. You know what I'm saying? That's the benefit that the woman does bring to the marriage. Um, but when you look at it, if it was a business deal. Come on. I would be and, like. And, and, and see, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Marriages are not relationships. A marriage is a merger. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> See, I grew up when, when most of the people that got married stayed married at least 20 years. These days, more than 60% of marriages end in divorce. And the top two reasons are financial strife and infidelity. Mm -hmm. So if going broke or getting some pussy will cause my marriage to be over, and I'm already broke and I already get pussy, I'm already divorced. <laughs> I'm a single man living like a divorcee. Yeah. What the difference is, I have a child, which means I got child support. What the difference is? Ain't none. I don't see none. I'm jaded, just like any other nigga that's been divorced. Because mm -hmm. a failed relationship will make a man jaded, especially once you do everything that society say you're supposed to do and it still don't work out like it's supposed to. Yeah. And now that I'm becoming successful... Any woman that meets me is going to meet Black Run. She ain't going to meet Run on the come up. Mm -hmm. She's going to meet already established professional comedian, public figure, semi-celebrity Black Run. Bitch, you wasn't with me shooting in the gym. Yeah. So unless I'm going to be ASAP Rocky and give me a Rihanna. Or at least somebody that's on the come up, but they still. They, have, they would have to have the same drive. And income while also wanting to be a wife and a, wom a woman in a relationship. So that's going to be hard. That's going to be the hard the, part. Most of the women that got the bag don't want those old school roles. But they want you to do your old school roles, though. <laughs> you better come in here talking about paying some bills. Because <laughs> that's what a man does. But I'll Uber eat you something. To, I'll door dash you. I ain't going to cook. <laughs> no, nah, I'm busy too, nigga. 
And I ain't going to help you on these bills. Yeah. Because if I help you on the bills, then I no longer have respect for you as a man. And this is what I've heard from women. Well, if I'm going to res- if I'm going to go half on the bills, why should I submit to you? So that means that your submission is contingent on my provision. You're not submitting to me because you see me as a great leader. You're not submitting to me because you see me as the head of the household. You're not even submitting to me because I'm the motherfucker willing to die if, if if danger come on the other side of the door. You only submitting to me because I'm willing to take the lion's share of the responsibilities and absolve you of yours. You made them bills all by yourself. You made them credit card bills by yourself. You made them that debt by yourself, your rent, your utilities, and your habits all by yourself. But because I'm your man now, the fact that you got a job <laughs> is now my responsibility to make sure that you not only have somewhere to sleep, eat, but you also got money for nails, hair, and then when I ask you what your money go towards, you talking about, well, anytime we want to get some new clothes or take a trip or go out of town, all that we couldn't do during COVID. You mean to tell me your whole con- contribution to my life is some that can be taken away from a quarantine? That's a very trivial-ass contribution if you ask me. What are you really adding to my life? Because we ain't got to go on no trips. My mom and daddy went out, went on, they vacationed a lot before they started having kids. After they had children, they didn't go out of the country again until 2016 once all their kids was grown, gone, graduated college and everything. Then my mom and daddy went to Puerto Rico. Mm. They ain't been nowhere since. <laughs> Golly. Yeah. So that brings me to my next subject that we, we kind of got in common. Okay. Older women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Talk about it. <laughs> what is it about older women that you just man that you just love, man? Bro, I think it. I think it happened to me when I was a child, bro. Like I, I remember going to my mama's job, and like I would hug her coworkers and. Shit. I remember how grown women used to smell good right here in between their. T- like, I just got I got enamored with that grown woman essence. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you go over to a grown woman's house and her house clean because she can't go to bed unless it is. Like, her is comfortable. Her furniture is nice. You know what I'm saying? Like, ain't no futon nowhere in her house. Except maybe it, 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 it's a day bed in her guest room slash yeah. office type shit, Maybe. Like, you go over a grown woman's house, bro, like, she got quality soap and, 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 and cottonelle toilet paper in her bathroom. You know, ain't no great value, nothing in her house. You know what I'm talking about? You go over a real grown woman's house, she got the goddamn, she ain't got the little 99-cent pack of incense sitting over the door dropping ass on you when you come in the house. Nah, she got a little jar oil with them little sticks in it. Yeah. Goddamn me, diffusers and shit. She got a humidifier because her chest get tight in the middle of the night. <laughs> she got medicine in her medicine cabinet, my boy. You go over there and get to experiencing something. She can diagnose your ass. Hold on, look that way. How long you been having that growth under your neck? You're like, what the hell are you talking about? Come here and lay down in my lap. Nah, for go in the bathroom, get that green alcohol. Six Q-tips and a cotton ball, and then come out here and lay back down in my lap. 
She had the busting hair bumps and shit. <laughs> Grown woman come up and say, she like, you ain't standing up straight. What's wrong with you? She's like, I ain't standing up straight. Mm-mm. Lay down on the bed. She get a rub and you realize you got a knot in your shoulder, been yeah. there three years. Got that chiropractor and yeah. <laughs> she a dermatologist. <laughs> she a therapist. <laughs> goddamn uh, a chiropractor. Goddamn. Most dudes got their first pedicure at a grown woman's house. She pulled out one of them pink hospice nursing home tubs. Got a pumice stone and an emery board and toenail clipper. And got to getting your ass right. Mm. And it's that level of care that makes a woman a woman. It ain't about getting your coochie. Mm. Every natural born female got a coochie. And every trans person with enough money got a coochie. So it ain't about your coochie. It ain't about no head. It ain't about how good you look in these pictures. How do you make me feel as a man? And that ain't got nothing to do with stroking my ego. Can you meet a need? Can you see the things in me? Can you see the things that I lack without me pointing them out? Things that I don't even know I lack in. And then be that in my life. And women these days don't have those things. So when you ask them, what do you bring to the table? They get offended at the question. Because they realize they don't have a good answer. And then when you ask a woman what she brings to the table, she tell you how much of a man she is. What you bring to the table? Well, I got a 401k. I got a master's degree. Yeah, but I got this hair bump I've been dealing with. <laughs> Can you get this? Can you get bump? that hair bump? I don't give a fuck about your degree. Yeah. Your education level only matters when it comes to us having kids. Because now I know that I don't have to depend on the school to educate our children. They'll be educated before they leave this house going to school because they mama got it. Mm. They daddy got it too, but they mama got it. Mama going to get you right on them books. Daddy might be out of town working. Homework still need to be checked. Mm. And not only that, but I need somebody I can sound off of when I want to have an intelligent conversation, when I want to talk about some in the news, when I want to talk about politics, when I want to talk about finance, when I want to talk about real that matters. I need a woman that not only knows what I'm talking about, but has an opinion and can weigh in. Because I don't know who told y'all that, 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 that being a woman meant you got to be quiet. That's an insecure dude you around. Now, there's a difference between being quiet and being told to hush. That's two different things. Break that down. If a quiet woman is a woman that's only spoken to, that only speaks when she's spoken to. Like a lot of, lot of when you think about your grandmama, she just piddling around the house quiet. She don't really got a whole lot to offer. She ain't got really a whole lot to say. She be out the way. And she, until your granddad go, baby. And then she right there. Yeah, Charles, what you need? Uh, what's the name of that? Uh, what's the name of that boy that uh 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 used to do that? Are you talking about Jamal? Yeah, Jamal. Jamal, goddamn. <laughs> She's just there as his as his Rolodex type. No, that's that's antiquated. That's that's some old. But also, you need to know when to hush. I'm not your homegirl. So if I ask you a question or you come telling me a story, give me the Cliff Notes version of that. I don't want to sit here and talk like I'm your bestie. I'm not your gay homeboy. I'm not finna. And then what? Nuh-uh. And then what? Girl, that couldn't be me because that's your job. They don't know who the they got. 
That's the problem. No, I'm not finna do that with you. I'm not finna kiki with you. If you come in the house, read the room. If you see I'm in here in my thoughts, brooding, having a moment of silence to myself. If you see me come over to the TV and turn the volume down on that like I need time to let my thoughts run. I need to listen to me. So all this outside needs to quiet down. And most men can't articulate that, that we, we make our best decisions in moments of peace and quiet. This is why the older a man gets, the more he values Science. peace and quiet. Mm -hmm. We used to be with all that rowdy. Then the minute you get 35, 40 years old, you want to move to a quiet neighborhood mm -hmm. where motherfuckers ain't running up and down the street, where loud music ain't outside all goddamn day because your peace, your tranquility becomes a commodity. Mm. The world is loud. It's all this noise. Sometimes you want to get somewhere where you can quiet the noise. And then no sooner you get to a place of peace. Here come Chatty Cathy. What you thinking about? <laughs> I, I would say this. This is what I want to say, too. For women who do come in and check on you like that, that's because they care about you. That ain't because Sometimes. they trying to. Yeah, yeah. But that, I'm talking about, I'm, that's, the one I'm, that's the women I'm talking what about. What do you mean by care, come check on you? Because I know for my wife, when I get when I get to a point where I'm quiet and like I'm really thinking, she wants to come in and try to help or try to solve something that that maybe I be thinking about, right? Mm -hmm. She wants me. She wants to be my helpmate, right? You know what I'm saying? And she don't want me to be going through or trying to figure out something without involving her because hey, she may have an answer for it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And in my head, I'm like, I got it. Just let me let me chill. But I know she's coming to me to try to help me solve whatever I'm thinking about. Or she wants to know what's going on in my mind. And women see that as initiative. But really, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a violation of a boundary. If we be dead-ass honest. Mm. Your woman is supposed to be your wise counsel. Mm -hmm. As the king, the decision ultimately rests on you. The success or the failure of every decision that you make as the man of that house falls squarely on your shoulders. If it works out, it's because you're a good man. Mm -hmm. If it don't work out, you have to take the brunt of that. Mm -hmm. Women sometimes supersede their position as wise counsel and then want to have a conference with you, war room, situation room style. No, ma'am, stay in your lane. It's not your position. Because if you're trying to come help me think, now we got a double mind. There ain't no blessings coming from a double mind. Let me think on it. Once I've come to a conclusion, I'm going to come with you for counsel. But I don't have to confer while I deliberate. That's why even though there's a jury, there's 12 people decide ain't but one jury foreman. Mm. But in this life, this ain't no jury. This ain't no democracy. Mm -hmm. This is an oligarchy. I'll come to you when it's time to come to you. But I got to be the man. I need to sit here and think on this. I got to play chess. Okay, this move is going to cause that to happen. Or I could do this, which will cause that to happen. Then I could do that after that. I probably should do this after this. Yeah, I'm going to do this. Babe, you know how we've been so-and-so and so-and-so? I think we should do this. 
Then and only then can you come tell me what you feel about my decision. <laughs> but the decision is still mine to make. And unless you come with some evidence to totally dismantle my decision, I was just making you aware. I wasn't getting your permission. <laughs> yeah. So as a woman, you got to accept that. And if you can't accept that, then why the f*** are you with that man? That's the question we need to get to. Women say things like, I'll submit for the right man. Well, why are you in a dude that you wouldn't submit to? Mm. Why are you even wasting your time? Why are you adding to your body count? Why are you taking away from your quality years? Why are you investing in, in a bad investment? Why are you wasting your time with a man that you don't even view as somebody that you can respect enough to submit to? He can't be that fine. He can't be spending that much money on you. Dick can't be that big. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a question for women. Women, get in the comments. Yeah. Get in the comments. Start your comment out with, you black run. <laughs> and then elaborate respectfully on why you choose to be with men that aren't men. You're not man enough to be your man. <sighs> you need to open up a, a congregation, man. You didn't get That's why they call me the Malcolm X of comedy. <laughs> I don't get to yeah. preach like this on stage, bro. They call me toxic for even saying it. They call me an asshole for even bringing it up. But you can't tell me six out of ten marriages end in failure, and I'm, I'm not supposed to take that information and move wisely with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I got a four out of ten shot of this shit working. Not even four, because two, probably two, two percent of that is infidelity. <laughs> We're not talking about the people that go through shit and, and, and work their way through it. Mm. Hmm? We're yeah. not talking about all the Will Smiths out there. We're not talking about all the Corey Hardicks out there. Yeah. You know one of our homeboys got married and within a year that was divorced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because that's what happened when you get married for everybody else. Yeah. That's what happens when you get married because you're trying to tie that coochie down. God damn. We've been saying for, for 20 years that you can't what? Can't turn no hoe into a housewife. God damn it. <laughs> All I said was can't what? And he knew exactly which can't I was talking about. We can't. You cannot turn a hoe into a housewife. No matter how hard you try. What we've been saying is you can't make nobody be what they ain't to suit you and the situation you want to put them in. You knew she was a hoe when you met her. She was on her bald-headed hoe when y'all came across each other. She was just the finest hoe you'd have never met or had some of the best hoe coochie you'd have never came across. And now you want to you wanna prioritize. You want to you wanna put an exclusive right. <laughs> So you wouldn't marry like a uh, Amber Rose? For what? I don't know. <laughs> why, you, why you marry anybody else? You wouldn't marry Amber Rose? Amber Rose been with Wiz Khalifa, Jamie Foxx. Who else? No, I don't think she was with Jamie. She was with Jamie Foxx first. I thought she was with Kanye. How much money you want to bet? I thought she was How with Kanye. How much money you want to lose? I mean, I don't know. You How mean, much money you want to lose? I don't know. I thought she was with Kanye Go first. look up. 
2005, Amber Rose, the first person that she dated in Hollywood was Jamie Foxx. Listen, I, I don't. She went from Jamie Foxx to Wiz Khalifa and from Wiz Khalifa. No, from Jamie Foxx to Kanye West and from Kanye West to Wiz Khalifa. Really? Dead ass. This is back when we thought Amber Rose was white when, she, when her and Jamie Foxx was dating. That's when we found out she was Cape Verdean. I, didn't, I still didn't even know that. Yeah, go look up Jamie Foxx, Amber Rose. What? I see him with pictures, but I don't... Mm-hmm. That's 2011. They dated right after Jamie uh, filmed Ray, when he was Oscar Award winning Jamie Foxx. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So you telling me a woman that has been with three Titans... We talking about one of the most talented comedians and actors ever. Mm-hmm. One of the most prolific rappers ever. Mm-hmm. And then one of the most prolific producers ever. Mm-hmm. She was with all of them dudes. Mm-hmm. And after being with them dudes, she then became famous for what? I don't even know what she's famous for now, but the just slut walk. She's famous for changing the narrative of overly promiscuous women owning the fact that they have high-ass body counts. She's a a vanguard for hoes. I don't know. That's I, not I, somebody I would ever see as my queen. Why not? Because just 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 like how you was able to point out her her people who she dated, she could be like, oh, Ron, well, let's look at your baggage. Let's look at Shadiqua. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. look at Shaquina. Mm-hmm. Let's look at, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was like, both of y'all. And two things I've never done in none of those situations. I've never broadcasted who I was with, and I never dragged them after we was broke up. That ain't got nothing to do with it. Bullshit. Why I do? Because what a, you got to check a person by their track record. Human beings are creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. And if you'll drag Kanye, you'll drag me. She put it out there that Kanye liked to get fingered in his ass after they broke up. But you know why that? Because he called her a nobody in an interview. I don't know, but he had a whole album about her. He, before the album. It was before the album? Before the album. I thought it was after the album what made her. He wrote the album in response to her tweets. And he didn't lie in the album. He called her a nobody. <laughs> you only famous for famous dudes. Uh, yeah. Okay, then. Yeah, yeah. In the I comments, mean, <laughs> what has Amber Rose done that she is famous for outside of being the girlfriend or baby mama of another famous dude? I think, so here's the thing. Just like just like when you, when you said earlier, right? Mm-hmm. People feel like they only know you from when they discover you. Right. Like, the only time we knew of Amber is when we first found out who she was dating. Right. So that's how we know of her. Right. And in 20 but, years, she ain't did nothing to change that narrative other than I'm starting a march for women where we can be proud to call ourselves sluts. We don't know what she was doing before that. Being an active slut. <laughs> we don't know that, though. We don't. We can't. We don't know if. Okay. If, well, what? We what don't feeling, know that. Okay. Well, we have the opportunity to Google. <laughs> what? What philanthropic organization did she start before Slut Walk? 
Um, and keep no. in mind that no. slut walk started because we were coming out and telling women you can't be no hoe today and then want to turn yourself into some pedestal princess tomorrow. You lay down with dogs, you're going to get up with fleas. Now, you want to be held in high regard, you're going to have to stay in high regard. Once you lower yourself, you can no longer elevate yourself. Why? I, I, I disagree with that. I think you can have bumps okay. and you can fall down, mm-hmm. but you do have to. That's not lowering yourself. How is that? Because if she's lowering yourself is actively deciding to go do something that you know is beneath you simply because you feel like it'll gain you more popularity, success or money. I ain't talking about something happens to you. That's just you. We all human. So we're, none of us are exempt from the human experience. So, but OK, so let me let me let me change that. Then I feel like you can go make a decision mm-hmm. and up and fall fall from graces. OK. And then at the same time. Be like, you know what? I shouldn't have did that. Let me backtrack. Let me get back on my path to go back to wherever I, wherever I was before I made that bad decision. I feel like you can do that. Yes, but guess what you also have to do? Answer anybody that questions you about your past. For example, you can do 20 years in the pen. Mm-hmm. Get out. Decide to turn your life around. Do some positive things. Never involve yourself with the things that got you in the penitentiary in the first place, never, ever again. Mm-hmm. But you will forever be an ex-con. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that'll that be the label that's on me. And it no, depends. I, ain't, I ain't talking about the label. I'm talking about the truth of the matter. Yeah. You go do a job. You Let's say let's say Judge Greg Mathis decides he going to run for public office mm-hmm. tomorrow. Well, the first thing that's going to become public knowledge is the fact that before he was a judge... He was a criminal. Okay, then. Even though he has testified to that, even though he has no problems, you know, divulging that information, it's still a part of who he is. When you go get a new car, they check your credit history based off of what other financial obligations have you lived up to before today. That's what determines your credit score. Mm-hmm. If you go get an apartment, they're going to ask you, do you have any previous evictions? Why? Because how you handle that situation tends to show how you might handle the next situation. Now, people can change. People are able to evolve. And that's all I'm saying. But that don't excuse you for who you were. That butterfly is still a cocoon. I mean, it's still a caterpillar. The cocoon didn't change the DNA. All it did was change the outside appearance. That's just a caterpillar with wings. See, I, I, I'm I'm a little different because I feel like your experiences and things that you go through, it molds you to to become different, become think to think different. You know what I mean? Certain experience that you go through, certain um, whether it's bad or good, I think you could you could definitely change the way you think about it. Especially so, why we don't give pedophiles and rapists that same level of of, of, of grace? I feel like because that's like. Um, that's a sickness. Oh, so we picking and choosing. Yes, we are picking and choosing. We picking and choosing yes. which in a person's past we're going to hold them accountable for. Yes. Now, let's say at 18, <laughs> yes. let's say at 18, you committed a sexual assault, mm-hmm. be it statutory rape, be it you took something from somebody, whatever the case, you became a sex offender at 18. 
Mm-hmm. Now, at 40, you are nowhere near the same man you were at 18. But when your ass move, they're going to put on a newsletter that your 40-year-old sex offender ass just moved into that neighborhood. And you can't be like, man, I, wasn't even, I ain't even like that no more. I didn't grew up, bro. I didn't evolve. How y'all going to still judge me off some I did back then? It's the same thing. It's the same exact thing, dog. If a person can do some shit that puts them on the underbelly of society, they can't decide today to not be that and not be held accountable for their past. Yeah, I, I guess I just disagree with that then. because Until it become a rapist. Then it's like, well, no, nah, hold that nigga accountable. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But what about the rapes, though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean... You mean to tell me you you not go you would marry a, a known porn star? Not a um no no nah, I well, couldn't. Well, what's couldn't. the what's the difference? I couldn't. What's I the difference between a woman that proudly calls herself a slut and a porn star? I know the difference, but I'm asking you. Um, I think a porn star one she just a lot for a job because that's that's the nature of the job. A, a slut is. She she sees somebody who she like and she fucks them. That's that's what like. So the city girls was because that they like, or they had that money. Either one. Broke that don't deserve no. Pussy. I know that's right. That's, <laughs> that's all rap lyrics though. That's all. That's but, all but rap the lyrics. The song became part of the psychosis. I'm not talking about the rap lyric. I'm talking about the 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 fact that it, it gets. Ingrained into the psyche of the women of the world, but listen, you know, like I know, broke just get more than a little bit. Exactly, right. That's what I'm saying. So, but she didn't say broke don't get. She said broke don't deserve none. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Don't deserve no king. Okay. Okay. She might get one because he's a foolish king, just like a broke might get some from a foolish woman. But that don't mean that you deserve it. So you ought not walk around entitled okay. to some damn show don't deserve. Okay. I feel that. I feel That's that. like your child walking around just willy-nilly in the refrigerator, just drinking half the Capri Sun, throwing it away. Like, hold on, my <laughs> just because there's Capri Suns in there every time you look don't mean that you can just run through these juices in this. Because yeah. you ain't bought now juice. But, Daddy, it's always juice in here. Yeah. That's because I'm a good daddy. That don't that ain't because you deserve juice. <laughs> and you damn sure ain't entitled to no juice. Like you open the door, ain't no juice in there. You close the Daddy, where the juice is at? Like, I know you got some nerve. They at the store. Where your money at? Yeah. <laughs> so when women holler out, where are all the good men at? Hiding from y'all. Cause y'all ain't good women. Good women ain't never had a problem getting no man. Mm. Good man ain't never had a problem getting no woman. That's a conversation women ain't ready for. Yeah. They ain't ready for that conversation. What's wrong with me? Why can't I seem to find a good man? Because you're not a good woman, babe. And you know that about yourself. You can't decide you was going to do some bald head in 2020 and then say, man, these streets ain't even for me, man. I just want my person. Yeah, but you knew that going into the streets that they wasn't for you. Streets ain't for nobody. Mm. Streets is just where you happen to end up when life gets to kicking your ass. Don't nobody desire to be in these streets except a woman that's living vicariously through her friends or a n- that's trying to be something that he ain't. 
And the streets have a way of letting you know whether or not you belong there. True that. True that. Because they kicked me off early. Quick. Streets. <laughs> hey, man. If you, if you ain't got no. If you ain't made out of cement. Street going to get your ass back up in the yard real quick. Get back up there by that porch. Goddamn yeah, yeah. me. Lime up. Standing on the sidewalk like they in the street. Yeah. No, you just street adjacent. Yeah. I'm out chill. You ain't out chill. You right by the porch. Shut your ass up. Get back in the house where it's safe. Yeah, you playing tag. Motherfuckers <laughs> in the streets. Ain't nobody calling them, telling them to come in the house. Motherfuckers in the streets don't bust out running when the street light come on. Motherfuckers mm-hmm. in the streets, you really feel bad for because they don't have a home to go to most of the time. That's why they in the street trying to make the street look fun. They really wish they had a home to go to. They, they really wish they had somewhere where it was chill and safe and, and somebody to love them mm-hmm. and look forward to them arriving mm-hmm. and be sad to see them leave. Yeah. Just like most of these women out here pretending that they hoes. Who pretended that they hoes? Oh, any woman that says she on bald head hoes. Oh, I, I guess that ain't. Yeah, hoe is life. I ain't, I ain't, yeah, because you a married man, so you yeah. don't really be paying attention to social media. You ain't on these <laughs> date naps and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, I'm out here. Uh, okay. These are the pickings that I have to choose from, and they real slim. And I'm in I'm in a field full of hay looking for one goddamn needle. And I ain't even looking for no pious-ass woman who, you know, only been with one dude before me or no shit like that. No, cause I, I need you to be freaky. And you had to get that freaky training from somewhere. I just want you to be honest. If you can be honest, I can probably f- with it. I think it's only going to get worse. You know it is. Because the more successful you get, hmm. the more bodies she may have. Huh. And then they don't want you to ask them about the bodies. What type of real n- ask about a body count? A nigga want to know how many n- <laughs> that you done did nasty sh- with before I walk around with you on my arm like you something to be proud of. Because yeah. if I walk you into a room full of stars and, and everybody is somebody and all these niggas is, is movers and shakers, some of them more important than me, more richer than me, more famous than me, and I walk off in here like, yeah, but this is my good thing, though. I got something all y'all ain't got, and that's this prize right here. And it's, pff, nigga, pff, on her face in 18, <laughs> her face in 17, her face in 2019. What, what are you talking about? That is old news, my boy. But listen, you. So everybody's gonna have that. Then you ain't gonna you you gonna it's gonna be you gonna be hard pressed to find somebody that that somebody don't got that on. False. She just gotta have less than two thousand Instagram followers. See, the thing is, people are creatures of habit. They roll in the same circles. But it's still gonna be somebody. It's still gonna be somebody. How that's many gonna times be me and you been at the same spot, Dante? A bunch, I mean, a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. Have we ever called each other saying, where are you going? Um, No, not really. No. Why? Because we in the same circle. So we going to eventually make it to the same spot because we float in the same circle. Yeah. There's only a certain amount of women that hang around them circles. And all I'm asking you to do is be honest with me that this ain't your first time being in this room. This ain't your first time being in this circle. Mm, okay. Most of the dudes want a chick that ain't enamored by the celebrity life. She just stumbles into it. 
Like, you the wife of a celebrity. Okay, case in point. Would you be able to pick Pauletta Washington out of a lineup? Uh, no. Hmm. Well, well, you know what? Actually, yeah, I would. You know, only reason why is because in my younger days, I was dating an older woman, an older woman, and that was her. That was her best friend. Oh, so okay. Well, that's no, the only reason why. That I was a bad know. example because I was assuming most people had never met Denzel and his wife yeah, and shit so like that. That's but, why I know Paul. Okay, I just said Pauletta Washington, and a lot of y'all didn't know that that was Denzel's wife. I was just talking to. Yeah. Uh, that I was just talking about. Even though that's been that man's wife as long as he been famous. Longer than he been famous. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. as long as you've known who Denzel is, Pauletta been his wife. Yeah. But if you saw her walking down the street by her goddamn self, you wouldn't be like, there go Pauletta Washington. Yeah. 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 Now, if her and Denzel was to break up tomorrow, every room she walked in from that point on would have to be a room of that caliber. When Eddie and Nicole broke up, who she get with? Uh, Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan, another who can keep her in the same rooms that she's already been in. Mm-hmm. She can't go get with Mike, the general manager at Home Depot. <laughs> yeah. Even though he's a great nigga, he make $80,000 a year. He'll never be in them rooms with the movers and shakers. Yeah. And once you get used to being in the rooms and getting a certain level of treatment and being you know, around certain things, you got to stay in that level. Yeah. Shawnee O'Neal, she could have married any pastor. She just happened to marry the most famous pastor on social media. <laughs> Why? Because in his room, in his field, he's in the rooms. He's a mover and a shaker. Yeah. yeah. And if a woman that used to be on the bus, once she date a dude with a car, can no longer date niggas on the bus, what you think a woman that used to be with a celebrity going to do? They want to stay in them same circles. Okay, then. Yeah. They want to still get them Grammy invites. They, they still want to get them uh, uh, Rock Nation brunch invites. They still want to go party in the Hamptons. They still want to be on them Tom Jonah cruises. And <laughs> they still want to walk the red carpet. Yeah, yeah. Can't go back to being nobody. Yeah. And you've been missing somebody all this time. So we talking about Amber Rose this whole goddamn time. Her first famous boyfriend was Jamie Foxx. After that, you got to stay with who can bring you to the Grammys. This is why you get with a Wiz Khalifa and a Kanye. What about the last dude? He wasn't no mover and shaker. The little light-skinned dude that's with Cher now. He ain't no... He, he with Cher now. That let you know he a mover and a shaker. Where you know him from, though? We don't, I don't even know Just his name. Just because he ain't famous don't mean he ain't on. Like when Love and Hip Hop first started, people didn't know who Stevie J was because we don't read the back of albums. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that Steven Jordan is Stevie J. Mm-hmm. So we like, who is this nobody ass talking shit like he that nigga? No, go check his resume. He that nigga. Mm-hmm. Just because he don't sing don't mean he ain't that nigga. And once you get in the industry, you start meeting people that are in the rooms that ain't famous. That could make something shake up. Who did Alyssa Milano marry? Um, Her agent, cuz. Did she? Yes. Mm, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Because once she fell off, once she didn't have no more who's the boss and charmed fame, she still want to get in them rooms. 
There's some glitter in the rooms. There's some dust in the rooms. It's free bags of swag in the rooms. It's pictures with all the famous motherfuckers in the rooms. It's TMZ articles in the rooms. It's yeah, Shade Room and Baller Alert in the rooms. It's Hollywood Unlocked in the rooms. Yeah, but what? I mean, here's my thing. You've been in those rooms, right? Right. I've been in those rooms. Right. At a certain point, you don't really care about who's in the room. That's because you were a grown-ass man who was your own man before you ever got into the rooms. Yeah, but once you in the room, you just like, okay, cool. Yeah, but also, you know guess what happened? Neither one of us have walked out of them rooms a star, neither. So True we that. talking from a plus one perspective. True that. <laughs> True that. Yeah. I've been in them rooms, but it has always been as a plus one. I ain't never been on the, the guest list in that room. I ain't never pulled up and like, Black Run, plus yeah. two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I always, hey, man, can I go with you? Right. No, I ain't <laughs> never asked that question, but the mother be like, hey, man, uh, what you doing tomorrow? <laughs> I'm going to this little spot. You want to roll? Then I get there and find out, nigga, this one of them rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You miss Hollywood when um, Eddie Murphy used to have the fights at his house. Yeah, I feel like I would have never got invited, though. Listen, you know somebody? Mm-hmm. Come on, man. You Come on, we're we going. We're go, we we going to Eddie Murphy's house. That's, that's part of the reason why. And I got some really, really famous-ass partners and people that I would consider friends in the industry, you know what I'm saying? Like, but when I'm with them, I'm still the, the regular dude in the group. So like, I'm not used to a whole lot of star shit. Case in point, I never forget my man Ryan Davis mm -hmm. uh, was doing some shows in Dallas. So I'm from Dallas, I pull up. He's like, hey man, do these shows with me this weekend. Cool, no problem. He's like, hey, let's go to a mall or something. I was like, you want a shop or you want a whole watch? A little bit of both. Okay, take them to the parks and all into the mall. Mm -hmm. You can get you a little bit of shopping in, and you can watch you some quality hoes from the food court. So we get through making our rounds. Now we finna go chill in the food court and people watch for a little bit. I saw this dude out the corner of my eye just looking at us, just standing there. And I went back to my food. When I lifted my head back up, he was gone. I didn't think nothing of it. About 30 seconds later, that same dude comes behind me, swoops into the booth, sits right next to Ryan, throws his arm around Ryan, pull Ryan in real close, say, mine. Now, I'm from Dallas. Everything that look like love ain't love. Mm -hmm. I know my that throw that arm around you and say, mine. And then right here, they got the pistol. Like, don't trip. I need all that. Mm. Nah, 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 nah. Act, 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 act natural, nigga. Yeah, be cool. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm on high alert. Because it's stranger. I'm from, I'm, nigga, I'm from the South. You don't invite yourself to nobody's table. They got to tell you, take a seat. Right. Sit down. Pull up a chair. Yeah. You invited yourself to this table and then broke that man's personal space and then threw your arm around him, which is a very compromising position to be in, and then pulled him closer to you. I'm from Texas. It's on me. Mm -hmm. I'm about to let your ass have it in this food court. <laughs> Ryan looks across, sees my whole bristled up, and he goes, what's up, dude? You want to take a picture? Dude, like, hell yeah. Pull the phone out. Get the picture with Ryan. My nigga. He's like, I appreciate the love, baby. Dap him up. He slide out the booth and walk off. 
see. I'm like, bro, let's go. What you mean, let's go? I'm on 10 right now, G. My nerves is on edge. I'm literally sweating at this point. Because I just watched your whole life get taken right in front of my eyes. I just watched the nigga rob you right in front of my face. I thought I was here protecting you, and I took my eyes off the situation for a, for a quick second. For a quick second, I went right back to just two dudes hanging at the mall, and I forgot that you somebody out here. And I was quickly reminded by this nobody that slid in the booth that you somebody at all times. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, no, I don't think I'm ready to be no celebrity. Because when you once you become a public figure, you're a public figure the minute you leave your house. Once you enter into a public space, you can no longer have time to yourself. You can no longer be in your own zone. You can't be out with your wife and your kids if somebody recognize you as Dante from the Tap In podcast. You got to walk up and be that in that moment. Yeah. So that alone, I think I've self-sabotaged a lot of different things that would have given me access to them Eddie Murphy parties and shit like that. Like the fact that I don't do cocaine mm. has uninvited me to a whole lot of shit. <laughs> and, and, and it would be all right if I had never said out loud that I don't do cocaine. <laughs> and then I say it like that, cocaine? <laughs> well, I don't do no cocaine. They like, oh, hell no, nah, we ain't inviting that nigga. Yeah. <laughs> Not with that judgmental ass tone. Yeah. You can't bring me off in here and then educate me to that. You can't bring me to a party, and then when I get to that party, that's when you want to educate me that you are in a same-sex couple, in a same-sex relationship, and I never knew that about you. Don't wait until I'm in your house. Don't wait until I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere that I thought was a safe space and then educate me to a proclivity that you have that I did not know before then. Whatever that proclivity is. Mm-hmm. If you like to look look at kitty porn, if you like to do drugs, you know, shoot up with a hair run needle, you want to sniff powder out of a white woman's booty cheeks, I need to know that that's how you get down before you invite me. Because I don't have no poker face. Mm-hmm. And you do some around me that I don't jive with, I'm going to let you know. Yeah. <laughs> you got me over here doing, bruh. Y'all niggas on. Is that a white woman booty I just saw you sniffing out of? <laughs> hey man, I'm calling my Uber. You niggas is in here. <laughs> Y'all is in here tripping. <laughs> Miss White Lady, I didn't mean to walk in and see your booty getting sniffed out of the minute I walk. I'm Black Run. What's your name? Nice to meet you. I'm gonna go on and let, I'm gonna show myself out. Cause y'all in here on some booty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can't come in like that. Yeah. yeah, and furthermore, I think I want you to come outside with me and we can fight while I wait on my Uber because you could have told me that this is what we was on before I came over here. <laughs> so I already know, bro. That's why I keep a crib in Dallas. That's why I only come out to L.A. to work. I only go to Atlanta to New York to work. Number one, the cost of living and the traffic is alone enough not to make me want to be there permanently. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, Bro, I'm just used to a real regular, regular way of life. I, I I don't know how to be no star at the grocery store. Nah, that that ain't where you're supposed to be the star. That's where you gotta. Hey, let me get my let me get my private space, man. I, I'll I'll take a picture, of whatever later. But let me get my private space, man. You know what I mean? I think I think 
people, because you so real the way you are, I think people will respect that. Where they will be like, you know what, my bad. You know what I mean? I give you a private space. Because I've, I've had times where even with other comedians, where I'd be like, yo, what's up, man? I'm like, yo, chill, man. Let me, uh, let me just let me post up. You know what I mean? And I've just been fans of them. Right. But, you know what I mean? It's, but, it's, it's but respect. We went so long without having those type of adoring fans Yeah, that I don't know how I'm going to react to having those adoring fans. You get a certain rush of dopamine just from telling you your was hot in a comment on a YouTube or a, a tweet or Instagram post. Mm-hmm. The few people that have recognized me out in real life is like, ah, oh, man, they know me. Just imagine if everybody know you. I don't know. Bro, fame is one of the most addictive drugs out there. It is. How many hits do it take before you hooked? One. All right then. <laughs> so, 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 if 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 it's that easy to get addicted to being famous, most people have to get burnt out before they become. Hey, let me get a little personal space. Mm. But the first half of that. You like, yeah, yeah, come on, come on. Anybody yeah. can take a picture. Yeah. Stop yeah. interrupting in the meal. Interrupt. Okay, you remember, I used to be a really big Kanye fan. Mm-hmm. I think it's on the, uh, I think it's on the late registration album. Mm-hmm. He got a song called Roses. Where he talks about his grandmother being in the hospital on life support. Mm-hmm. And how the whole family rushed to the hospital from all over the world, including him, because rather than send roses, we the roses. Yeah. But the first lines in the song is, I know it's past visiting hours, but can I please give her these flowers? Which is why he said at the end, we we the roses. So when the lady say, yeah, you can go put some flowers in there, the flowers is all 12 of us, ma'am. Mm-hmm. It's not 12 long stem roses. But, he, but he's saying, he goes through this whole process like, um, the doctor said she can't handle the procedure because her heart can't take the anesthesia. I asked the nurse, did you do some research? She asking me, can you sign some T-shirts? Is you smoking reefers? You don't see that we hurt? In other words, even in this very human moment, you can't separate me from what I do? I don't necessarily know if that's a life I want, Dante. That's why I stay behind the scenes. That's why I'm not really famous because I'm known as the dude that write for everybody. Once you get off in the front of that camera, everybody love you. But then they take that love away the minute you do something they don't like. And now you got to fall from grace. They shoot you to the moon. You do something that everybody like, it go viral. Now everybody with you. They never knew your politics. They never knew what you believed in. They never knew what you think about. They never they never cared to know. Mm-hmm. You've always been vocal about it, but they didn't know you then. Mm-hmm. They like you now because of what you're doing now. So then they love you now. Now they want to go back and retroactively support everything that you did before they became knowledgeable of who you are. And now they got problems with what you used to say and what you used to do or who you used to be. Yeah. Now they want to come in and counsel you. Yeah. It's like, my. How can you counsel me and you were never the one that got me to this point? You were never a subscriber. You got a trial membership and now you trying to counsel me? Yeah. I don't, I don't think I want to be famous, dog. I think I think I want to be successful. I know I want to be successful. 
I think I want to be respected and, 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 and renowned amongst my peers. But I'm cool if, if the whole world don't know who I am. I would say this in, in closing, right? You just being real and, and being true to yourself and the people who going who who f with that yeah is going to want is going to be the ones who elevate you you ain't going to have no decision on that you know what i'm saying they're they're going to be the ones who are going to make you famous because they just f with how real you are that you know part. what i mean so yeah man tell the people where you going to be at um leave all your socials man oh get out of here man i'm glad you said that um right now working on uh my second special this one is an hour. So I did 30 minutes for Epics. Now I'm doing an hour producing it. We're going to shop it around to a couple places. Um, so we're in pre-production on that right now. Uh, on tour with my man Ricky Smiley. Shout out to Ricky Smiley. Uh, rest in peace, Brandon Smiley. Mm -hmm. um, so that tour is active right now. Uh, still on tour with my man Chico Bean. Mm -hmm. So be sure you catch me with Chico. Osama been drinking. We on the road, we out here doing things. And now, I'm a member of a trio called mm. Black and Wild. Okay. So I got a couple of my Wild and Out cats, my man Tyler Chronicles, my man Darren Big Baby Brand. We going around the country, we doing these shows, Black and Wild. So we got, uh, we got Atlanta coming up. We'll be at Uptown Comedy Corner, uh, second week of March. And then we got uh, Chuckles in Memphis, uh, uh, the week after that, and so we're gonna do the whole South at first, uh, in the early uh, March, April, and then in May, got the Mother's Day, uh, and then I'm doing a big special in Dallas, okay, the same weekend. So we got Mother's Day, uh, in Fort Worth and in Dallas, doing big things. So if you're gonna follow me. I'm on Facebook now, Dante. You know they banned me on Instagram. They banned you. Man, they banned me on Instagram over a year ago. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was talking down on the on the shot and a couple other things, and they was like, "Get your pro black conscious ass <laughs> off our website, sir." That's what you can do. Take all your little members and followers yeah. and tear your ass. So God. follow me on Facebook, Black Run on everything. B L A Q. R-O-N, put that in post, B-L-A-Q-R-O-N, so people can spell it correctly. I'm on YouTube, same name, Twitter, same name. Christian Mingle, I'm under Deacon Longstroke. You can follow me on now, <laughs> hashtag let's touch and agree. I'll be at your church this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Man, Black Ron, I appreciate you for tapping in with us, man. Already, bro. This I appreciate you bringing man, for sure. This has been dope. Yo, man, this has been the Tap In Podcast. Thank y'all for tapping in with us, man. Until next time, holla.